Welcome to the Walt Weekly Podcast with your host, Walter Latham Sr. and co-host, Michelle Sweeney McCombs. Today's topic, we have single parenting with Walter Richardson, a financial advisor with over 20 years experience. He is the CEO and founder of Richardson Wealth Management, a financial planning and investment firm located in Los Angeles, California. He has previously held senior professional positions at Prudential Securities, Wells Fargo Advisors, and Morgan Stanley in the private client group. He has a degree of UCLA where he studied film, finance, entertainment, law, and productions. This is part two of a series of shows that we will be hosting with Walter Richardson. Welcome to the show, Walter. Thank you for Thank joining you. us. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank, Thank you, you very much, Michelle. All right. All righty then. All right. So today, well, welcome back. Good, good to see you. And uh, you. we're going to talk about single parents and finance. Okay. And, and uh, how can a single parent navigate to a point where they could accumulate wealth and then maybe pass it down to the next generation? Yeah, I see a little dilemma, but, you know, I just want to you know, just say that and uh, turn it over to you. Okay. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Walt. Uh, this, this is a tough topic because I was raised by a single parent. And, um, you know, I would stress, you know, because back in those days, there was two things. It was education and it was civil servant jobs, right? The education, if you could, if you could afford it, and you could get into a school and get some type of degree or certificate, then you went for it. Mm -hmm. My friend who lives out there by you guys out, out there in Staten Island, mm -hmm. she was raised in, her mother was raised in Harlem and her father was a military man and they didn't have money to go to college. So what, what she did, she said, well, civil service, right? She went and got a job for the MTA. And the reason was because the MTA had good benefits. I think Robert Townsend made a movie or somebody and they were like, you need to go to the post office to get yeah. those benefits. Right? right. Right. Ironically, her father was a postman. Right. Mm. But it was the benefits. Right. So we started looking at, you know, how can we support a family? And then the most one of the most expensive costs in supporting a family when you have children is medical bills. Right. right? So those benefits and that medical, whoo, that helped so many single parents. We're talking, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. So then, you know, a lot of, a lot of single parents decide, you know, we, we, we started coming up in, in, in the community and we started going to college, uh, getting better paying jobs. Uh, also, you know, auto workers, right? Auto workers, if your dad worked on an assembly line for General Motors, oh, you could afford a house, right. picket fence, the whole nine yards, right? But right. you had to get in there, right? Unions. It was hard to get in unions. But if you got in, you tried to get your kids in and, and you stayed in and you were union workers. And they had good, they had good benefits. They had uh, pension plans. They had, they, it was, it's all about the benefits. Right. Uh, then, this, then they started taking the pensions away and started uh, with these 401ks where, where you picked your own investments. And then, you know, like, like we're not just going to save this money for you and hand it out to you. You figure it out on your own. And some companies matched those benefits. Some companies didn't. Single parents today, I believe you need a marketable skill. 
whatever that skill is, you know, you, you need a marketable skill and you need to find something that has the medical benefits. If you have a child, the most expensive part of raising a child other than college is medical. Right. So if your question is, how does a single parent navigate through the environment we're in today? You need a good support system. Mm -hmm. You need a mother. You need a grandmother. You need somebody who can watch these kids right. while you go get while you go get this knowledge from community college, wherever it is. You know, I remember when I was coming up, they were saying that uh, they said after a while you're going to need a, a college degree to be a garbage man, right? Yep. Because of the way the trucks are, you know. And, and and now you see the trucks. I don't I don't know what they're doing in Staten Island, but the truck pulls up. There's no there's no guy on the back of the truck. There's a hook. It goes out. It lifts the can, and it and it goes to the next house. And soon that will be automated, and there will be a driverless garbage truck, and right. someone will be at a control center running that truck. Yeah. So even the garbage man, some of the most simplest jobs are going to be gone. Right. You need, you know. So so is you, you need an education. You need some type of technical training. Or, you know, if, if you if you leave yourself to 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 uh, public assistance there, I, I know a young lady who was on public assistance and she went to Rutgers and got her law degree. Mm. So some people say, you know, public assistance is a rotating door, you know, just just a revolving door. But there's there's a there's another side to it. That's if you true. yeah, if you look at it and you could find it, there's a there's an exit. My aunt was in the projects in Atlantic City. On public assistance, right? She wound up. She wound up being a teacher and retirement plan. She bought her first house. She bought her first house through the um, the federal home loan first 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 time buyers program. You know, by herself, no husband, yeah. two kids. Yeah. So, yeah, I know two young ladies. They were on public assistance for five years, and both of them managed to get their bachelor's. They worked it out. You know, um, why sit on sit? And do nothing for five years on public assistance when you could take advantage of the opportunities that they have. Yeah, and some of those opportunities you have to look for, mm -hmm. right? And, and if you look, people will help you find them. But if you're not looking, nobody's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, "Hey, you know, come right. come over here." You know, you have to be hungry. I think just going back to what you said, you know, five years five years goes by pretty fast. Right, it goes by pretty fast. Yeah, and true. you know, if you that, that the hardest part is to start. Once you start and you get in it, you're like, oh, I could do this for five years. Right. I, can, I can get my degree. Shoot, I might get my degree in three years. You know, right. you get so hungry and you once your brain opens up to receiving this knowledge, mm -hmm. you, you just get so hungry. I, I think mm -hmm. if more people were turned on to the fact that you're you're probably smarter than what people have been telling you. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of single mothers out here, you're probably a lot smarter than what than what they've been telling you. A lot of single fathers out here, you're probably a lot smarter than what they've been right. telling you. But you got to go out and you got to exercise that brain like a muscle. All right. That's right. All right. Now, I was thinking, you know, I was trying to create scenarios when you got a single mom with three kids. Mm -hmm. And you know that uh, child care is one of the most expensive items uh, in the budget mm -hmm. for a lot of people especially in New York City area, okay, along with health care and things of that nature. Right. Okay. So what would you, is there a, a, a situation 
where you say, where you would say, that's just hopeless. I have a young lady, she's 25 years old, she got three kids, she didn't finish high school. What, beside, you know, what would you, would you, what would you recommend in a situation like that? Where, and, and she's on welfare or food stamps and stuff like that. Well, first of all, I could, I would recommend that you, you, you know, like we said in the last podcast, you probably need to change your friends. Yeah, right. right. That's, that's probably the first thing. That's right. You need to change your friends. And you need to get a mentor, somebody like Michelle, somebody who's out here doing it, somebody who has a good head on their shoulders. Listen, we both, we all know what's good and what's bad. Right. When, yeah. I was, when I was younger and I was hanging with bad friends, I knew it was bad. You're the company you keep. I knew it was bad, <laughs> you know, and I could tell by what was happening to some of them that this mm-hmm. is not going to work out the way I want it to work out. Right. You know, so... First thing I would say, change your friends. Right. And the second thing I would say is, if you don't have a high school education, go get the GED, right? Figure it out. There's pro- if you're on public assistance, there's, there's a program that'll help you get your GED. Get your GED. And upon getting that GED, whoever your caseworker is, let them know. I mean, figure out what you want to do. You know, if you want to be a train conductor, let them know. I want to work for the MTA. If you want to, uh, you know, go to college and, and take the three or four years to go get a degree in, in, in some specialized, you know, maybe IT or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, let them know why you're getting that GED. That I'm not just going to stop at the GED. I'm going to the next level with this. Let your kids know what you're doing, right? Show your kids. When you sit down to study, have your kids around, right? Don't let them just run out in the street or whatever, let them let study with them. Grab, grab, you grab, open your books or grab. And you know what that, you know what the, you know what that kid will say? Mom, are we studying today? Mm. You know, I just think it's so important to find the person that you want to be like and start hanging around that person. That's right. You know? Yeah, that's what I did. Uh, mm-hmm. And turn out okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to have some type of role model. You do. You, know, right. I, you, can't, you yeah. have to have positive people in your lives. You know, that's personally for me because it holds you back when you don't, you know. Um, I notice, you know, cutting people loose, I uh, progress more being around mm-hmm. positive, productive people. Even though I was anyway, I still had something that was like something holding me back from a lot of other stuff. And then I realized it was the people that I was associated with, you know. Getting caught yeah. up in stuff that, you know, it just takes a lot of time and energy to be negative. You know, it, it's, it's funny that whole DJ Envy scandal is going on. Mm. And I was I was I was thinking yeah, about, I it, about I, it. I, I was gonna, I was going to do a podcast on it, but I said, maybe I'll just leave it alone. But mm. I was I am going to do one on Ponzi schemes and pyramid schemes and things of that nature. Yeah. It's yeah, well, well, you, you had mentioned I'm sorry. You but, had mentioned your podcast a couple of times. What is the name of your podcast? Or is it, it's uh, or is it, uh, planning your financial future. It's on Spotify. Great. Planning your financial future. Yeah. All right, folks, y'all heard that, right? Planning your financial. And would it would it speak to finance, or do you cover? I'm I'm covering uh, finance. I'm covering uh, how to invest. What some of these investments are. Mm-hmm. Um, how to avoid taking too much risk. Right. So some people want to, you know, they want to, well, we'll go back to the whole Ponzi scheme thing, right? Right. Because what they're offering you, it, it, you got to think about this. If you, 
this this guy offered 30% in six months. Mm. Now, now let's look at Warren Buffett, one of the greatest investors in the world. If you put your money in Berkshire Hathaway, you think you could get 30%? I mean, 30% in six months? No. I'm going to tell no, you right no, now. No. 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 So how, could a, how could a guy who learned real estate in jail pull this off? <laughs> right? And, 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 and not to say that you can't learn good skills in jail, but I'm just saying, let, let's, I mean, you got to start lining up the red flags. Then he said he had yeah. over, he said he had over a thousand units. Well, if you got, if you have over a thousand units, I don't care what city you're in, then you could go to any bank and leverage those units and, and buy any property in Patterson, New Jersey you want. I, my mother taught in Patterson, New Jersey. I used to go to Patterson, New Jersey once, two, three times a week. I know the properties in Patterson, New Jersey. You do not need to go and ask Bob and Jane and, 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 and these postal workers and, and, and these uh, bus drivers to get their money to buy a dilapidated house on Market Street. If you have a thousand units, you can leverage. You don't even need half of that. That's right. To leverage to buy these properties. And now if you want to set up an investment company and say, hey, look, I'm going to set up stock in my company and you can invest in my company and I'm going to buy this city up. That's one thing. But you're giving me, well, I, I don't need you to put, to give me ownership in this property. If I had a hundred thousand right. dollars, guess what? I could, I could go buy it myself. That's right. That's right. You know, so it's That's just, when you, when you, when you hear, Ponzi schemes are the same. It's just a different name. Yes. New, new era you know, new twist to it, but it's the same, same situation. And people fall for it, you know, unfortunately. Well, you know, they start from a good, they, they start from a place that you're familiar with, right? So, 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 you know, so he's, so he's talking to people in New Jersey, he's talking to people in the Patterson area and he, and they know Patterson is kind of run down excuse excuse me for saying this but there are parts of patterson that are that yeah. are run down and they know yeah. that investors will come in and buy it and put you know and it'll it'll come up and it'll be a lot of money to be made in a in a system that you know some people call gentrification so they're like yeah i want to get in on that but you know i i just think just like the guy sam bankman freed with the cryptocurrency right he had right. everybody wrapped up in, in that he was going to make so much money in crypto you know, when I do investments for clients and they come to me with some of these ideas, I say, well, what does that do? Right. What does crypto do? What does Ethereum do? What does it do? If you could explain it to me, hey, we'll look into it. Have people made money in it? Sure. People have made money down at uh, the Hard Rock Casino in, in Atlantic City also, you know, but what's right. the risk? Right. Can you accept the risk? That's the question. These people that lost all their money. Can you accept, if I tell you your account tomorrow will go down to zero, what would you do? And they'd say, I, I'd be in dire straits. Well, then you can't take that risk. So we have to find something with less risk. Sure. Okay. Much, we have a lot much of people less. that are just, they look for anything to help them with getting rich. Yeah. It's, it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. You have that new NFT situation yeah. going on. And uh, what is the NFT scheme I've ever seen in my life? Yeah, Michelle, what is NFT? It's actually, um, it's art. You invest in art online. You're purchasing. Digi you're digital art. Shares. It's digital art. But yeah, it's you digital. Can't, but there's uh, no tracing asset. it. You actually have no ownership of it. You don't know who owns it. 
So you're paying into it. So it's a Ponzi scheme. I mean, it, it took me two seconds to figure it out. What is, that, what do you, what is, that, what is that now? You can't trace or? it. It's buying art. It's non, non, non-fungible, non-fungible, non-fungible token. Right, token. Right, non-fungible yeah. token. Right, which is not U.S. dollars. It's digital. No. It's digital, yeah, digital. and you're, you're purchasing shares of art that you're never going to see. You're never going to own it. It's yeah. all digital, and there's no way of tracing it through the, through the Internet. It gets lost in the system, and you, cannot, okay. you can't even transfer the ownership because no one knows no. who owns it. Well, what about the blockchain? Uh, well, that was addressed. Same here. thing, as far as I'm concerned. Blockchain. Uh... <laughs> well, you know what I would say about some of these investments, like for my clients, it's just mm-hmm. too risky, right? Okay. If, if, okay. if I take a cl- if a client comes to me and says, "Well, what about the blockchain?" I say, "Listen, if you want to go, I do financial planning for you and your family, right? If you want to go take risk, then you go open a a, a Coinbase account." And you can do that over there. But what I'm doing here is I'm creating generational wealth and I'm helping you manage and protect your generational wealth. Oh, okay. Right, I right. See. I always tell people, I tell my son too, because he did Bitcoin. That money is not yours unless it's in your bank account. If I can't spend it, it's not mine. If it's tied up in something like that and my husband's in brokerage, I have to be careful. I have to be careful. They watch everything. Like, you know, if you can't cash it in or trade, you know, cash in your stocks like you do normally with the Mm -hmm. stock market, trade it or whatever and get it in U.S. funding. I'm not messing with it. We had a um, for high net worth investors. We had a a fund uh, that was run by NY Dig. I don't know if you know NY Dig, which is a uh, digital fund manager, let's call it. And I, and, and I had a client that wanted to get in. Well, I had several clients that were interested in it, that were qualified for it, high net worth clients. And one of the things that I noticed when I was reading you know, the rules and doing research for the clients is that you could only get out of the fund on certain days of the month. So if he put in an order today to sell this fund today, they would say, well, you can't get out of this until the 15th of next month, according to the prospectus. So you got to wait. We, got, we have a day where you can get out, where you can sell, but you can't sell every day at like a stock. Well, that's so, churning. You can't do that, right? Well, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is once you invest the money, you can't get it out when you want it. Like you want to, yeah. You can only make a withdrawal on certain days. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Yeah, right. so... So how does that work? I mean, the numbers change on it. Like that's crazy. Yeah, that's not that's not anything that that I want. You know, clients yeah, to be associated to do with, with. Right. You well, know, that's why you have your blue sky laws, right? I mean, the prospectus should indicate that you know on only on Wednesday of the month. Well, no, it was written. It was all written in the prospectus. Everything was there. They they weren't hiding it. No, it was all there, and mm-hmm. and and that was part of the rules of this. Uh, of this fund it's, it's just uh-huh. it's just the way it was structured you know you can structure it like that and they structured it like that and i just didn't feel that it was uh it just yeah, felt kind of yeah think think about it you have it let's let's say crypto starts to go down and it crashes and it, it it's not going to crash in all one i mean it could crash in one day but let's say it's going down you know two three four days and your client says okay i want to put in an order to stop this 
Right. And he puts it in order today. And I tell him, well, that's not going to be executed until the 15th of next month. And it keeps going down, 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 I down. I was going to say, it's a loss for you, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Well, that's why no. I think that, you know, as far as the audience, I'm speaking to the audience, is that you just have to read that perspective. If you're in a position to do an investment or buy a financial product, then yeah. But now we're talking single, single parents here. And yeah, I want to just... I, w- I want to just uh, revisit a couple of things here, well, real quick. But go mm-hmm. ahead, Walt. I don't want to. No, know, I was going to say, I well, single parents. I mean, I, I hate, I hate to say this because I'm not giving investment advice. But let's just say, it seems like people with the lower incomes take the most risk, right? Mm. Um, That's for sure. <laughs> you know. it's true. I'm, I did it. I did it. You know. So, and, and, and it's, and it's, and it's because, you know, you, you have the bigger need for money. So you, you, you know, you want to take that risk, but realistically, I would challenge any of your listeners, single parents, right? Take a, take your cable bill and take your cell phone bill and go back 10 years and add up all those bills for every month for the last 10 years and see how much money you would have had in your account. And then take that money and then take the S&P 500 for the last 10 years and look at the returns and see what you would have returned on that. Now, if you have a compound interest calculator, you could compound that. And I guarantee you, you will start cutting back on some of your uh, living expenses. Some of the apps, because, right? Like Prime yeah, and some, Netflix. Some and, you yeah. know, your Netflixes. I mean, you got Netflix, you got Hulu. And you got Paramount. Yeah. You know, you would cut back on, on some of these expenses. You'd cut back on, on, on the designer clothes. That's for sure. I think, you know, you live, you have to live beneath your means so you can save. When you live above your means, you're always in debt. That's right. Well, there's a saying out there, and I think it's uh, appropriate to say it in this, in this situation, is that you cut your suit to fit your size. And that's how I heard from my mother-in-law, who was from West Africa, from Sierra Leone. She told me that a long time ago. And it's just another way of saying just what you're saying. But if you have that mindset that you're going to live according to your means or below your means if you want to save something, all mm-hmm. right, put something to the side and you want it to grow. But always cut your suit to fit your size. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. So anyway. Well, is there a, or any scenario that you can think of regarding single parents where, wherein they should just focus on their kids' well-being, making sure their kids are educated, making sure their kids are the first? Because you got a lot of families where the kids have never been to college. My family, I was the first to go to college. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Is there any type of situation where you say, look, I understand that you're a single parent and you got four kids, I think what you should do in terms of investment, invest that time and effort into making sure that your kids have a better life than you do. And that is not investing. You're investing in your children, okay? You're stuck, all right, unfortunately, because you got four kids and Mm -hmm. you're young, all right? So I think 
my advice to this person, and this is a real you know life situation that I that I that I uh, encountered, was to tell her that I think that you should make sure that your kids are well educated, so that they are prepared for the future to enter society and be productive citizens, right? So right. I don't know what that's my that was my advice to her. Okay, but is there a situation where you would say, okay, look, you know, I think that. Mm, we can't really do much. It's a kind of too difficult a situation for you to invest. Or what do you think about that? Well, that's a great but, question. That's a great question. I'm of I'm 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 of the the mindset that the kids, and I'm no child psychologist, but I think children usually want to be like their parents. Whether they say it or not, I think, you know, that's, that's their first, that's the first person they look up to, mommy and daddy. Yes. So if mommy's a hard worker, nine times out of 10, those kids are going to be hard workers. If mommy were to just invest in the kids and not work hard, I think the kids are going to think things come easy and they're probably not going to work hard. I would say, I, I still stick to what we were saying in the beginning, which is, you know, better yourself by any means necessary and 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 then show your kid be lead by example. I'll just leave it at that. Lead by example. I don't think there's any situation where you can just sit back and say, I'm gonna, you know, collect this this uh public assistance and just put it all on my kids and hope that they go to college and, and, and be something, the chances of that happening, the chances of that happening are very slim because, because they want to be like their parents, you know? Well, the thing is, when you say parents, I mean, I'm talking to a single mother with four kids that, that's a teenager, all right? And I am not saying that the person should work and, and, and uh, you know, walk what they talk. Right. I think that's yeah, you know, you got you talk a big game, but you gotta also walk a big game, you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm not saying that the parents shouldn't work, the single mother shouldn't work. Okay. But what I'm saying is her efforts, you know, should be on making sure that her kids are prepared. All right, to you know, go to you the know, promised I, land for lack of a better term, you know, I, maybe I, I'm probably the wrong I'm probably the wrong person to ask this question to and I tell you why. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll tell you why. Yeah, my friend, me. my friend, and I and I hope she listens to this, in Staten Island, who went to Curtis High School, her mother worked for the MTA. She's a token booth clerk clerk down um down at the ferry. Okay. You know, okay. I'm sure y'all I'm sure y'all ran into her Michelle, many yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, probably. Michelle probably many yeah. times. And um and she and she put those hours in and she told her daughter, she said, You better go to school. I don't want any phone calls from this school. I don't want I'm I'm not coming. And if I have to come up here, you won't be going out, you know, for months well, at a time. Like this is real. You know, I, I'm I'm doing these 10 hour shifts. I'm in a booth. Listen to this. I'm in a booth. A jail cell is bigger than a token booth. You know yeah. what I mean? He's yeah, in a yeah. 10 hours a day, getting <laughs> cursed at, getting yelled at, <laughs> being called all kind of MFers. Come on, you know, when those guys jump the turnstile and she says, pay your fare, uh, F you, uh, you know how it goes, right? Yeah, yeah. All night long, right? So her daughter, she said, well, mommy's at work. 
and and my job is to go to school. Right. That girl, that girl graduated top of her class, valedictorian. Mm-hmm. Um, she put out some letters to go to college. You know who accepted her? Harvard. Mm. Mm. And she didn't have the money. A token booth clerk can't pay can't pay for Harvard. Right. right. How am I going to get the money? So her mother. So her mother said, "This is this is great that you got accepted, but I can't pay for this." The mother. Right. The mother thought it was a nightmare scenario. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, my kid goes to Harvard. My kid." She goes, "This is a nightmare. Right. So I don't have the money. There's no way I could pay for it." Right. right. So so she said, "Mommy, don't worry. I'm going to go down." There was some resource center in Manhattan. I forgot what it was called. And she, and she researched every grant that a black girl could get. And you know who gave her money to go to Harvard? Dave mm-hmm. Winfield. Oh, wow. That now sounds, yeah, that's, that name sounds familiar. I just can't. Dave Winfield. Who, who he used Dave to play Winfield? for the New York Yankees. Hall of Famer, Dave Winfield, the baseball slugger for the New York Yankees. The Winfield Foundation gave her money to go to Harvard. Wow! Uh, and, and she got a, you know an academic scholarship and and some other stuff. And so when you ask me, is there any scenario where you should just invest in your kids? She got that work ethic from her mother, right? You know that MTA uniform. Slugging up and down that hill. What's that hill? Y'all, you know the hill for Curtis. That hill you got to walk up and down. Hamilton Avenue, yeah. Yeah, you got to walk up and down that hill. Here comes mommy. Yeah, I lived right across the street work. from there. Yeah, across yeah. the street. That's it's no joke. Yeah, and you're right. Your parents make an example out of you. Uh, you make an example out for your children. I know my son uh, told me for the first time in a card, a birthday card, recently mm-hmm. that. I was his inspiration as an entrepreneur. There it, there it he is. He saw me working full time. He also saw me quit my job to take care of my mom, mm-hmm. and take care of him. And I also had a side business. So it balanced out as an entrepreneur. And I always told him, do what you love. If, it, if, it, if you can get paid doing it and you love doing it, do what you love. Don't get caught up in the, you know, the nine to fiver where you're miserable and you hate it and you don't want to say I should have, would have, could have. You know, just do what you right. love and make it work for you. Right. So, well, you're a great mother, man. Thank you. You know, I was sleeping in Port Authority at one time. So, you know, I know now, you know, I, I well, you know me, but just for, for Walter's uh, and the audience's info, you know, just because you sleep in Port Authority, there's no big deal. The sky's the limit. You can't get any lower than, you know, waking up uh, on the bench and a cop hitting you on the, no- on the knee with a nightstick. Right. Telling you, hey, where's your ticket? Why are you sleeping in here? Right. You know? But as long as you have a, a job, not to get off topic, not to stray too far, but as long as you have a job, you're, you're good and you have your health. Those are the two most important concrete things that you could have. Okay. Now, going back, uh, to what I was saying earlier about this this girl with four kids. Yeah. That was 20 years ago. Okay. Now, her kids are in college. They're valedictorians. Ooh. They graduated from high school valedictorians. And that's what she does. She became a boxer, you know, whatever. But the mother, the girl that I was talking about, she's a boxer. And her kids are doing extremely, extremely well. So, I think 
that, you know, everybody's situation is different, but I just threw that out there to see how you would respond to it. So, I mean, using that example, how would you, you know, I mean, it, it could be successful, you know, if you focus on your kids, you got to get a job. But like you said, you know, it's the people that you hang around with. And also, as I told my kids, you're a product of your environment. Very true. Okay. So some people don't know better. They come up in an in a environment, especially in, in some kids in the inner city with the gangs and all that kind of stuff. That's the only thing they know. Right. All right. So therefore, they, of course, join the gangs and they, they go down that path. But well, why wouldn't you join the church? Well, you got to. You, gotta, <laughs> all right, you can hey. join the gang or the church. <laughs> why wouldn't you join the church? Well, you know, I did a show on this one time on uh, crime. What would you come crime. up with? That if you don't join the gang, you can't live in the neighborhood. Because well, people that join the church live in the neighborhood. My, my aunt lived on Edgecombe, and she was in the church. My uncle actually had a church. Right. And, she, you know, the kids that lived around there, they went, to the, they went to my uncle's church. David Richardson, he had a church over on, uh, I want to say it was 165th Street. But he had a church. And, and yeah, there, there, there's, there's choices. And I think once you make... A see, see, it's the people that are in, in the middle that, that wind up getting pulled, you know, the people who don't have structure and guidance, right? For instance, if I joined a gang, my aunt over on Edgecombe probably would never let me in her house, right? So that's, so that's, she already put that in your head when you were two, three, four, five years old, right? If I joined a gang, my mother probably would have threw my stuff out. And told me don't come back. I was I was getting in trouble at a young age, at, at you know, 11, 12 years old. Right. And my mother, <laughs> my mother drove me down to Portsmouth, Virginia, and enrolled me in the military academy and took the suitcase out the car and left me there. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, where are you going? She's like, see you later. I'm not going to get any more calls from the police or from these local <laughs> community leaders or anything. See you later. And, um, and I spent two years there and I was there with a bunch of bad kids because right. every bad kid whose parents looked up military Academy found this place. But what we, what we did was we got in a lot of trouble in the beginning because we were rebellious and we didn't have structure. After about eight months, we started getting promoted. A buddy of mine became a lieutenant. I got corporal stripes. Another buddy of mine got corporal stripes. We started getting stripes because we understood that you have choices, right? And with this structure comes great opportunity, right? So when you have children and you don't create structure, basically you're, you're, you're leaving it to somebody else to create the structure. And I tell you who will create the structure for them, for, for them, the officer that pulls them over and the state penitentiary. Oh, they yeah. will create a lot of structure for them. You don't want that. So you want to do it at home at a young age and they will respect you. I always tell people, I love my mother for sending me to that military academy. It was probably the worst two years. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I, I made some good friends, but it was, it was, it was, you know, it was it was pretty bad, you know, 
people coming in your room in the middle of the night, beating you up, punching you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because we also had some prep prep kids there. They weren't kids. They were daggone grown men and, you know, taking stuff from you. So you had to figure out how to work within the confines. You know, before before you knew it, they all respected me as I respected them. And nobody was coming. They would come in the room and beat up my roommate and leave. They wouldn't touch me. They said, no, nah, leave Walt alone. Walt, Walt's, you know, Walt's cool. Because you had to understand the structure. You had to understand how to work with people. You had to understand how to respect people as they respect you. Right? Right. Yes. And, and that goes with mom and dad. Right? Mom and dad, they, they deserve your respect. You know, to all the young people out there that are talking back to your mothers and fathers. It's probably a bad idea because once you get used to talking back to them, you will go out in the streets and try it. And, and, and A, the people out, a lot of people in the streets aren't really trying to respect that. And B, when you try it with the police, it's, it's, it's going to have a very negative outcome. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. So, well, any, any closing uh, comments you want to make or statement? Well, well. Um, I know the last time we spoke, I had suggested to show uh, your children ownership and by, you know, buying a stock certificate or showing them some stock, uh, showing them that you that you're invested and that they also can be invested right. and that you can give them uh, these stock certificates. I don't know if they still send the certificates out, but they will have an account where you can have your children Start saving. Some of the companies that do this are Altria, Amazon, Apple, Campbell Soup, Coca-Cola, Disney, Home Depot, Intel, ExxonMobil, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, Starbucks, and Walmart. And you might find more if you take the time and look on the internet. But I I just think that it's a good idea to start young and um, show your children that not just to be a consumer, right? Not, not, just, not just to buy, 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 I have this, I have that. And you're buying things that are going to be devalued in the next three months. Right. You know, if I, if I go out and buy a pair of Air Jordans right now for $500 and I start wearing them, the minute I put them on my feet and start wearing them, they, they might be worth 200 You know, three months from now, they'll be worth 90 Five months from now, if they're collectible, they might be worth $50, $60 or nothing, right? But these stocks, depending on what you choose to buy, and I'm not recommending that you buy any, any, any particular ones, but I'm saying just to show, to teach a lesson, it, it might be interesting to buy these companies and show them that unlike those sneakers and those clothes that you bought, this still holds its value. Or maybe it lost some value, right? And, and teach them about the economy. Then maybe it lost some value. Or maybe it gained some value. But I tell you what, that stuff you bought is only going to lose value. Unless you're buying collectibles, right? If you're buying sneakers and collecting them and trading them, that's a new thing that people are doing. That's a business. Right. But as a consumer, whatever you buy, going to lose value. So what if do you I go think? Out, if, I, if I go out and buy Rolls Royce today for, for $250,000, the time I get it in the driveway, it's worth about $200,000, maybe, maybe $210,000. That's, 
That's just driving it from the dealership to the house. All right. Um, now, what I wanted to ask you is that do you offer fractional? What do you think about fractional shares? And what companies, uh, investment firms, or trading platforms would have something like that? Do you offer it from your, your company? No, I would stay away from fractional shares personally. Why is that? Um, I know Robinhood did it, and I don't know. I, I I don't know what the fees are to sell it, right? But if you can't afford a share, then you shouldn't invest in it. That that's that's the way I feel about it. But there are other investments, right, that you can invest in money market funds, right? That, that I think money market funds probably or ETFs. Right. Some ETFs are, are very. So an ETF is an exchange traded fund that is basically a basket of stocks with low management or sometimes no management fees that you can buy. For instance, it might have 10 stocks in there and those stocks could range anywhere from, uh, you know, twenty dollars a share to, you know, one hundred dollars a share or even more in the case of Apple. And you could buy a, a, a ETF. Maybe that ETF is selling for $20 a share. So that's how you would actually be buying fractional shares per se. It's not an actual fractional share. You're buying a share of the ETF, which invests in these 10 or 20 or 30 or 50 companies, whatever's in the ETF. Right, right. And I would suggest to go to Morningstar or iShares. And if you go to Morningstar, you can research your mutual funds. Now, those have management fees. Uh, they also have CDSC charges. Uh, so you got to look and see, you know, what the fees are. Vanguard carries itself as a, as a, as a fund manager that, that has low or no fees. You might want to check Vanguard. They do have some very good funds. But ETFs right now are where most investors are finding themselves. Uh, when I build portfolios, I usually start building portfolios around ETFs to create the asset allocation models that we use at, at my firm. Okay. Um, so I would, I would suggest to stay away from buying a fractional share because in reality, that fractional share doesn't exist. If you look on CNBC and you see shares go by, you're probably not going to see a fraction of Apple or a fraction of Disney. But Robinhood and some places will sell you the fractional share and they'll do the math. They have the calculations and they'll mathematically calculate what a fractional share costs. But then you got to remember, you got to pay fees to sell it and sometimes fees to buy it. I would suggest to go to Morningstar first, take a look at iShares, um, take a look at other fund companies. But Morningstar usually has the reports on most of your, if not all of the mutual funds that are out there that you can uh, invest in. And, 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 and I would also say this, right? Somebody will say, well, I don't have a lot of money. Okay, here we go back to the cable bill and, and the cell phone bill, right? If you were to take, let's just say half, half of what you're paying for cable, half of what you're paying for the cell phone, Save that for yourself. Find a good asset allocated mutual fund. And let's say you put that in there every month. Come back a year from now and tell us how that performed. 
you know, and don't find, don't, don't, you know, make sure if there's a risk tolerance, uh, a, a, a form for you to check your risk tolerance, then you can see exactly, you know, where your risk is, or you can go to my website and fill out a, a questionnaire and, and, and let us know you want a risk tolerance form. And I will, I will email it to you and you could fill it out and see where your risk tolerance is. And then you could get an idea of what type of fund you should be buying. Oh, that's cool. And that would be at your, your www.richardsonwealthmanagement.com. Uh, All right, folks. It'll be in the show notes. All yep. right, good, 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 Walt. All right, so I think that uh, we pulled enough for the day. We got enough to chew on for the day, the audience does. So uh, we're going to look forward to the next episode with you, Walt, because we got a lot to cover. So I'm going to say... Sounds good. These are, these are good conversations. These are very good conversations. Yes, yes. I mean, they're needed, and that's what we do, you know? So I want to thank you for being on our show and sharing that valuable knowledge, you know, that you have accumulated over the years. And then again, you're the CEO of Bridges and Wealth Management. And uh, so let's wait the next episode. We're going to cover a different topic with you. And as I said in, in the other episode is that we have to take some time. And, and, you know, finance takes years, you know, for the professionals. And you are a professional. And I think I, we need folks like you to show us the way to accumulate wealth and to pass it on to our descendants. All right. And that's why we want this series with you, because there's a hunger, there's a gap in knowledge. Maybe because people don't pay attention to this and that, or they don't want to, you know, take the time. So what we're trying to do is just encapsulate this knowledge in a way that people can digest it and understand it. If you have any questions, you can reach out to the Walt Weekly uh, dot, at gmail.com. That's the, the Walt Weekly at gmail.com. And uh, we can pass questions that you have for Walt Richardson. All right? Because, I mean, I admire the guy, you know? So, I mean, and he's an African-American like me. And that's what we need. We need people like Walt Richardson to stand up and, uh, and pass on knowledge like this. All right. I mean, unfortunately, or fortunately, either way you want to look at, we live in a capitalist, capitalism, capitalistic system. So, you know, somebody got to be on top, somebody got to be on the bottom, unfortunately. We, we've been on the bottom too long, and we have to get, you know, we have to move up. Okay. All right. So, anyway, guys, thank you for joining. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye bye.